Now, good evening. There you go. Tonight, I want to talk about maturity. And that sparked a long time ago, about a year ago for me. It comes from Hebrews 6, 1 through 3. Excuse me. Those of you who've heard me in Sunday school know that I've often quoted this one and stopped dead at three. <laughs> and I'm just going to talk about that a little bit in a minute. But, you know, maturity is, is defined by, by Webster as having reached the most advanced stage in a process. Yes, that's us in age and wisdom. But what about our spirit? What about our, 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 our soul? And where are we at on that? It's kind of funny because the, the Holy Spirit has worked something really, really good over the past two months. I had decided when I was going to be preaching on the 26th that this is what I was going to preach on. And a lot of the scriptures that I was using, Roy took. The other half, Pastor Larry took. But they were, they were the same subject. And I know when, when Pastor Roy was talking about the, and this is during, you know, right before Easter and the Passover and what that meant and how, how important that is for us, and the reality of the new covenant, that we, you know, we shouldn't just celebrate that uh, once a year, we should celebrate that every day. And that's what he was preaching that down there. And the power of the cross. What, what happened on the cross that gave us that new, that new uh, blood power? And, and when we say that, then we go into the Pentecost and infilling of the Spirit. And all of that is amazing to us. It's not understood by most people because you only can understand that through the Spirit, right? And Pastor Roy did a great job of, of bringing that out for us. And then, of course, Pastor Larry got up with the misunderstanding of grace. And for two Sundays or two Wednesdays, and that unmerited favor of God, of course, and, and how we have to be obedient to his word. And really, he, he talked a lot about uh, there being, if you believe in the grace, there, you know, the, the once saved, always saved, and never having to worry about repenting again and, and sin. You can never sin again. I thought he, he, and he, and he, he really had to take, well, really, another, another Wednesday to get it all done. But, but he did a great job in helping me understand what that meant. And what it really boiled down to is that responsibility of us for teachers and ministers, where we're supposed to go with this. And so going back into to Hebrews 6, uh, 1, it says, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from the acts that lead to death, very much what Larry was talking about, and faith in God, we should have that already from the covenant. Instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead. And that's the one that always got me. I said, wait a minute, that's elementary stuff? And that's what it says in Hebrews. And eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. You know, as we were singing tonight, I just, I just want to say, Jesus, I just want to sit at your feet. I just want to drink from that cup in your hand. I want to lean back against you and just breathe. I want to feel your heartbeat. 
How wonderful that would be. Thank you, Father God, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for the things that, that we as a country don't understand how rich we are. Not just in material things, but in God's holy presence. As, as Amy was singing tonight, I could feel the presence of God just falling on this place. And it happens every time we gather together, two or three, and we're singing and we're worshiping. Thank you, Father, for that. In your name we pray. Amen. So many things have happened in the past couple months with all these that I think it's time for us to understand what maturity is and where we're going to go with this and why we need to, and especially for this crowd on a, on a, on a, a Wednesday night, we're, we're the ones that are used to the Bible teachings. We're the ones that want to grow a little bit further. We're not the brand new Christians in Christ anymore. We need to know what the next steps are. And that's what it talked about in, in, in verse 1 and 2 of, of Hebrews 6. But, I, but what, it, what it made me do, I went back and I started really looking at the entire book of Hebrews and what it meant and why. Why was this written? And one of the things, what it occurred to me when I heard Larry speaking, I said, what if that were the case, that people think that they can never sin again, the rest of the book wouldn't have been written? There wouldn't have been any reason for Paul to go to jail, to go to, to, go to Rome, to all the, all the apostles to sacrifice their lives for this so that we could have this book. We could have these words from God to live our lives and to bring it along. That was so important that they gave their lives so that I could understand what this means, that I could have the fullness of Christ. No. No. It, that's, that it, it had to be for me and you. So a very quick overview. I'm just going to go very quick in Hebrews because you can read the book yourself. But in the, the three main things it talks about, the superiority of Christ, the superiority of the new covenant, and the ex- exhortations drawn from this superiority. And the reason that the author is doing this, because these are Christian Hebrews, Hebrew Christians, uh, Jewish uh, converts. They still have spent their whole life understanding what all these rites and all this cleansing and what all this meant. And they go way back to the prophets. They go way back to the, you know, the, the angels and, and, and Aaron and Moses. And so he, the author had to come to him and say, look, this Christ is better than the prophets. Jesus is the heir of all things. That's what it says. Jesus is the heir of all things. Prophets weren't. Better than the angels, by the virtue of his deity and his humanity, those two things coexisting. That never happened before. That's, that makes him superior. Better than Moses, who, is, who they lifted up as, as the best, who wrote all the books. But he is the son who provides the heavenly rest, not the, just the earthly rest. As Moses did, Moses took him and took him around the mountain several times, and they finally got to be in their in their land. But here we get to go and be eternally with him. But and that's that's where he's contrasting all of this for us, and better than Aaron as a priesthood and Melchizedek, of course. Jesus is like Melchizedek. 
And so when going into the superiority of the new covenant, and, and, and Pastor Roy talked about that, it's based upon better promises. How many covenants did the Israelites break? About seven or eight along the way. This covenant can't be broken. You know, I, many times I've talked about Jesus in the, in the garden right before the uh, crucifixion, and he's on his knees. He said, Father God, take this cup from me. And the cup, in the, in the, in the Old Testament, a cup was actually a, a wrath or a judgment, a cup of wrath. And the reason God presents it as a cup, because you have to take it internally, this, this wrath or this judgment. And so what he's praying in the garden, he's saying, take this away from me. And what he's talking about is eternal damnation for all mankind. And that's what he's going to the cross for. You either accept Christ or you don't. You're either going to heaven or you're not. He knew what that meant. He understood what that meant. And that's what he came to earth for. That was his purpose. He wasn't scared. I've heard people say, well, that was the humanity in him coming out. No, he knew exactly what was going to happen when he went to the cross and he said, it is finished. What that meant. The covenant is finished. If you look up covenant, the promises, we use that in, in, in legal terms today, what a covenant is. But when, when that covenant was brought, it was based on a better sanctuary than what they had in, in the temple. And so his, that's, that's why his sacrifice was so much better, so bigger than what they did every day. Only one sacrifice for all eternity for all the sins. Instead of over and over and over again. I don't think a lot of them understood all that. And maybe we didn't understand the history and that's why we had to go through Hebrews like that. So there's a lot of exhortations that come in the last part from, from Hebrews uh, 10 on down. But it, it, it says, draw near to God and run, run the fast the race. Run, fast the, run the race of faith with endurance. And that whole, there's a whole uh, two chapters there where it talks about Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and Moses. And that's what the, the men's group in this church is, the men of faith. You'll see on the shield it has those people's names on that, on that, uh, sh- that shield. Because that's such an example of what faith is. When we say run the faith with endurance... We live in a drive-through society. We pray for God to give us something. We drive up to the window and say, okay, give it to me. Or we need this by 4.30. But we don't understand what, when God says he's going to do something for us. And we hear that. We hear that word. Rest in that. Rest in that peace. Could it be like Abraham? Is it going to be 20 years from now? Or two years? Or one year? Or one month? That's, that's where we start to build maturity, and that's what I want to talk about. So some of the other exhortations. He said, don't be carried away by all kinds, in 13.9, all kinds of strange teachings. And that's what, that's what Larry was talking about. So the, the exhortations that come that Larry was talking about, we already, we already hear that in Hebrews. So there's six key warnings that I want to talk about. It's the warning against drifting. That's Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. And it's through neglect that we drift away. Think about it. 
We get busy. We got everything going during the day. I'm going to read my Bible every morning, and I'm going to pray for 30 minutes before I go to work or when I get home or at lunch. But then we start getting busy and things get in the way. And, okay, I'll do it tomorrow or I'll do it the next day. And it goes away. And so we pray on the way to work on the freeway. You know, we, one thing that's so important, if we're going to go into the maturity of the, of the Christian, what we need to have is the time to read the Word, meditate on it, and pray. I can't stress those three things more. Read the Word, meditate on it, and pray. And I've learned from joy, sometimes praying means say what you're going to say and then be quiet and listen because the Lord's going to talk to you going to show you what you just what you just talked about that you need to to do something different so we have to be more earnest we have to give heed to the things we've heard we've got to we've got to when, when we hear the word like like what's been presented we have to say okay we need to take that into consideration that this is important if i'm going to go towards maturity i need to understand what this means the the warning in in 3 through 12 through 5 through sin's deceitfulness, we can become hardened and develop a lack of faith. We see that in a lot of churches, don't we? Well, I don't know. Do we pray for healing? If it's God's will, I'll be healed. I've heard that so many times from people. Do you want to be healed? Well, I've already been prayed for. Are you still hurting? Yeah. Do you want to be prayed for again? No, I've already been prayed for once. So it gets so legalistic that we can't, we can't get past the part of where we say, God, this is not my portion. I'm, I want healing. I want healing. I want uh, restoration in my family. I need uh, financial help. Whatever, whatever we're going for, we can't give up. We've got to stand and stand. And then when we get tired of standing, we stand. And we keep going through that perseverance. That's maturity. That's being able to teach people to do that. To be able to say, this is what we're going to do today. What's that? Stand. We're going to keep praying what we've been praying for the past two years. Reminds me, we were just having that conversation yesterday. We've been praying Ezekiel 36, 37 for this church for the last two years. To increase the flock. Here in, 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 in the Ark Fellowship, just like at the, the flocks in Jerusalem at the time of the Passover. And we get word today or yesterday that some of the sermons are reaching millions of people in Nigeria. Okay, we'll take credit for that. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> no, but, that's, but that's the way God works. He's going to honor the prayer. Now, we had no idea that that's what was going to happen. We think the same thing's happening here at our church and in Calvert. We're praying the same thing. We're expecting to see a revival at the end of all the, all the, the concern and worry and fear that everybody's going through right now. We're going to see a revival. We think people are crying out to God right now, and they don't even know it. And they lay awake at night going, how am I going to pay my bills? What am I going to do for a job? How am I going to open my business? Is my grandmother really that sick? There's a lot of things. We don't even know what's, what the backstory is on people's, And we're going to have to be the mature Christians that stand up and teach them how to pray and how, why to pray and what's going to happen when they pray. We've got to be the ministers. 
those of us who have been in, in, in the church for a long time, we can't just sit and listen anymore. We've got to stand up. We've got to be the teachers. We've got to be the ones to walk up and lay hands on people and say, can I pray with you? It's super important that we stand up and start doing that now. Now, I understand that the baby Christians and the people who are just now coming back to church are going to be a little hesitant to do that. Great. Watch me. Watch. This is how you do it. That's what we're going to do. And when we get more and more people in here, and they're going to see people healed. And I, and I, I love it when, when we're, someone's back is healed or their feet or something. And I always look up to see who's watching. There's always somebody who's standing back there gazing just to see if this is real. And they see the guy or the lady stand up and walk across the stage. Boy, they're down here in a heartbeat. Okay, I'm ready. Do me now. I'm ready. But that's what, it, that's what it's about, to help people understand, help Christians, our brothers and sisters. It's time to stand. Well, I don't know how to, I don't know how to give a sermon. I don't know how to assure you. All you do is start talking. Everybody has a story that somebody has to hear. Everybody has a testimony that somebody has to hear. And that's what, that's what maturity is all about. So don't, don't get away from it. Run towards it. Exhort each other. Get steadfast. We, we have the, the, the church open at 6 and 9 every day. Come up and pray with your brothers and sisters. We, do, we just finished doing Zoom for the past three weeks, every, three times a week. We were having 25 to 26 people on there praying, having a good time. Even though we can't come to church, we're praying together. Those are the ones I'm talking to. You're the new ministers. You're the new teachers. You're the new people that are going to walk and talk and show these people what's going to happen. Got to. We've got to step up, folks. That's all there is to it. So the warning against disobedience, that's Hebrews 4. Like, like Israel in the wilderness, we can fail to enter our rest through disobedience. Kathy and I talk about this once in a while. You know, God will tell, especially me, once in a while, God will say, okay, this is what I want you to do. He says, yeah, but I know how to do this better. <laughs> and, of course, it fails. <laughs> and I come back and go, okay, say that again. What did you tell me to do? <laughs> but that's how we learn. That's the experience we get right after we needed it, right? And so once we do that through disobedience, the solution is diligence and, and heeding the word of God, understanding what it is. When people come up, to, come up and say, hey, I have a word for you, yes. Tell me the word. Then you go test the spirits. You go test the prophecies. You go test it. It says that, and we're allowed to do that. And that's not going to hurt anybody's feelings if they know those words. But we're supposed to do that. And this one's fun. The, the warning against dullness. Dullness of hearing. You ever been sitting in a, in a sermon? Uh, not pastors, of course. But at the end of it, didn't know what they talked about? Yeah. And you worried about something, uh, the, you know, finances, kids, school, name it, lots of stuff. And so we, when, when, we, when we get that, that, that dullness of hearing, there's a, this is probably one of the, one of the biggest warnings. I'm gonna, this is one of the ones I want to go to, Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. Uh, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truth of God's Word all over again. 
You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still, an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. That's the tagline right there. Constant use, understanding the difference between good and evil. That's necessary for us to go forward. So then it goes into the, you know, the elementary teachings. But look at four. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, and who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. That's a horrible, horrible thing in my mind. And there's, there are pastors in this country who have gone the that gone that way decided that they were going to be in a homosexual relationship decided that they were going to to do and I'm not going to go into all of it this but falling away from what the word is you know many 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 years ago when the, the seeker friendly thing started it was it was told to us well don't speak in tongues in front of these new people cuz we'll scare them away and consequently, 10 years later, the people were saying, well, why aren't they practicing to be a Christian? Because we never taught them. We never taught them how to be a Christian. We didn't want to hurt their feelings. As soon as we started teaching them, guess what? They left. That was our mistake. We shouldn't have done that. That's why we have to make sure this doesn't happen to anybody. Through their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again. That's, and I know Larry preached this, but I wanted to re-preach it and, and re- reinforce this. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling out, that produces a crop, useful to those for whom it farmed, receives the blessings of God. I'm going to go from there over to Luke 8. The reason that was written in the Hebrew, because Jesus had already preached it, those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns, and we've all read this many, many times, but there's a part here. Among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries. That's the dullness. I know something was posted on on Facebook. I thought it was pretty pretty cool. What laziness is? Uh, uh, another good defini- definition of that was uh, sus- uh, sustained participation. <laughs> Lazy. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. But look what it said up above. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. We can't let the worldly things get in the way of us understanding what God has for us in this world. We have a ministry. We have a, a thing we have to do for the kingdom. And each one of us has our own ministry. It's not the same for each one of us. Pastor will be the first one to tell you that we all have a different ministry by design. We're supposed to do what we're supposed to do. That means we have to mature. In 1 Corinthians 2, 5 through 7, actually I'm going to start at 6 there. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, 
but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden in God's design for our glory. The maturity that, that, that they found in, that, among, that he was speaking to in the Corinthians here took a long time to come to pass. We can read First and Second Corinthians like it was one week and then the next. But it was years for them to come to that maturity. And so for those of us who have been in the church for years, it's time for us to get serious about which direction we're going to go with this. I'm not just going to be here on Sunday and celebrate that pastor did a great job on the sermon, which he does. I mean, he's taught us how to live by the word, with the word, pray the word. But that's not the only reason we're hearing it, so we can have a good breakfast or a good dinner after church. <laughs> I know I'm making fun of me, not you guys. Because <laughs> that's where, it's where we all were at one time. It's where we all were at one time. Until all of a sudden the Holy Spirit hits you and you get this infilling of the Spirit. And you're going, wait a minute. I don't know anything. And so you start studying, and you start studying. And the more you study, the more you don't know. It's a, it's, it's a wonderful, a wonderful way to, to start down the journey. And the more we think we know, the more head knowledge we get, those of us who, who read a lot and study a lot, I've got to really shut that down and let the Holy Spirit talk to me. It's hard. It's hard. I, want, I have an opinion on a lot of things. And people who know me well will tell you that. <laughs> but when it comes to the Holy Spirit, I've got to stop. I've got to listen. I've got to understand. And he's going to show me a better way. And sometimes it's just with one word or two words. When, when I was getting ready to, to, to preach at the, at the uh, jail not too long ago, I, was at, and I knew it was my turn to preach, and I said, Lord, okay, what do you want me to preach about? He said, Forgive. Okay, what else? What <laughs> forgive? That's kind of a big subject, and that's what he had me. That's what he wanted me to study. Well, I know what forgiveness is. I want to study forgiveness. I, I I can look forgiveness up. I can probably find one of those. And the more I the more I fought against it, the worse it got. He said, "Forgive." So finally, I, I sat down and I prayed. And what he wanted me to do wasn't talk about forgiveness. He wanted me to ask those guys, who do you have in your life that you've never forgiven? And so now you can't be forgiven. You can't forgive yourself. And a whole uh, whole sermon came out of that. And I think we had like 22 guys that night give their life to Christ. Because now they could forgive themselves. They could understand what it meant to be forgiven. And they could forgive someone else. And they can receive Christ with one word. That's how God teaches us. One unction, one thing like that. So going back to the, the uh, excuse me, the worrying about defying, it's impossible to refuse to listen to the one who now speaks from heaven. The solution is to look diligently to the grace of God, receiving it in such a way so we may serve him acceptably with reverence and godly fear. This, this, these exhortations in Hebrews, and, I, and I, I challenge you, go back and read them. Go back and study them a little bit. Uh, Ephesians 4, 12 through 14. 
to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity of faith. Unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, and what? Become mature. Unity of faith sometimes can be hard for churches, not our church. I think our church is the most loving church, most unified church that I've ever seen and been in. I've been in churches where it was difficult to even understand why they showed up that day, where that group showed up, and why this. And, and, and I didn't stay very long, of course. Those were visitations and stuff. Because they were playing church, they weren't having church. And so a lot of times people who have a lot of re- religious um, teaching, and it's, and it's not their fault, that's what they've been taught their whole life, it's a hard walk for them sometimes to walk away from that religious teaching and understand what it says in the Word of God. And so, I, you know, I thank Pastor Goodluck every time the Holy Spirit starts uh, starts getting, spanking me, is a better word, I guess, because he's taught me how to read the Word, how to live the Word, how to talk the Word, and how to teach it to other people how important the Word of God is when we want to see something happen in somebody else's life, we can't insert ourselves in it. We've got to lift them up. We've got to pray for them. We've got to walk with them. But you can't do it for them. You can't do it. I'd love to. I'd love to take my my brothers and my sisters and say, hey, I'll do that for you. I've already been there. I've already got the bruises. Can't do it. They've got to go through the road themselves. They've got to do the journey. And so that's what they're talking about there, the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God. Not just knowing who Jesus was, knowing that he was the Son of God. In the fullness of Christ, the mind of Christ is in us. It says, the Father is in me, I am in you, and we are in them. Say that again. Father's in me, I am in you, and, and I'm in the Father. And we're all in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. You and you and you and you. Stop and think about that. What is? What do we have inside of us that the people driving by here don't have? We can't be tired of it. We can't let it go. We've got to understand what that means. When 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 the praise team is singing, I can I can feel the Holy Spirit weight in this room. The Holy Spirit just falls. That's the fullness, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's maturity. I want other people to know that. I want them to understand that. In Ephesians 4, 14 through 16, it says, We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there, every wind of teaching. We've heard this one a lot. And by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming, and people are. They can get deceitful. If anything, in the past three or four years, what we've seen exposed in this country is deceit and lies. And we have a, a president who is standing up, and I don't know how he's still putting up with all the, all, the, all the trash that's coming against him. But, man, this is a time of God choice for this country. It really is. To watch what he's had to go through. And he, he knows we're praying for him. He knows the country is standing with him. But those deceitful schemes, instead of speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. 
From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. We are the body of Christ. When it talks about the body of Christ that was sacrificed, we became that body. That's what it says. We became the body of Christ. When he went to be at the right hand of the Father, he is the head over everything, and we are the body. That means everything, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God is contained in the body. We need to let people know that. It's, it's not good enough that we understand it. We have to tell people that. And we have to tell it to them with gentleness and kindness and understanding. And truthfully, it, it's, it can be something that's very, very hard for people to hear. And so when they start to buck up against it, you have to just grit your teeth and just say, okay, let's talk later about it, whatever. But the ministry part of this... Being able, to, being able to develop the ministry is being able to, to persevere in that truth, in that word, with that person. And that person will come around. That person will begin to understand. But we have to do it in baby steps. What we have learned over years, we're expecting them to learn over days, won't happen. Can't happen. So rejoice when you see people take the baby steps. Rejoice when they're, they're, they're coming along and you can see things happening and you just, you just, you're, you're happy. But all of us who then are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently that to, that to God will make clear to you only this, only let us live up to what we have already attained. Let me start over. I press on toward the goal. This is Philippians 3, 14 through 16. I press on toward the goal to win the prize of which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. Pressing on to things that are that call, calling us heavenward. And if on some point you think differently, that that too God will make clear to you. How many times have I said too? I said, one of it, you know, reading the scriptures, and I get to a really difficult point, like 6, 6, 1 through 3, and I said, okay, Lord, one of us has this wrong. <laughs> one of us is understanding this incorrectly. Which one is it? And it's always me, of course. But he straightens it out. He shows me. He tells me what I have to know. In Colossians 1, 27 through 29, to them... God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm going to say that again. This mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Now, that's the part I was talking about just a minute ago. We have to have wisdom when we're trying to teach people. We have to have patience. We have to have persistence. They're going to say things that don't make sense, and we're going to have to just go like this. We'll talk again tomorrow. <laughs> we'll talk again the next day. We'll talk again next Sunday. And let them but plant the seeds that they have to plant. That's where we're going to become ministers. That's where we're going to, this, this revival we're getting ready to have, we've got to be the leaders, the spiritual leaders that make this happen. Help it happen. Pray it into happening. That's going to that's gonna come. He's the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And remember, what I said mature was, that's having reached the 
most advanced stage in a process. Okay? How do you get to reach the most advanced stage in a process? You grow. You're watered. You grow. You pray. You meditate. You study. You share. You have brothers and sisters that you're sharing with. You have a pastor that's, that's teaching you. You have another minister that you're, you're fellowshipping with. You have to have that to grow and to make that happen. So we, all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently from God, he'll make it clear to you. Right? That's, that's the good part. That he's going to make it clear to us whenever we, we get to a point where we're, we're, we're uh, talking with someone and, and and I've talked to people who have been confused in, in other other churches and, and, and they have a very strong religious uh, attitude. And man, you can go, okay, wait a minute. Let me let me let me read about this for a little bit and we'll talk again. Give yourself a break to stand back and say, Okay, God, uh, they came at me with a lot of stuff that's not right. How do I how do I teach them what the word is? And so he always says, Go to the word. Go to the word. It's not opinion. It's not doctrine. It's in the word. It's in the word. And I learned that from Pastor Goodluck too. So when we have people, when we have a, a new new people who are coming to church and they said, "Well, I don't think I believe that. I want to talk to your pastor." I said, "Okay, bring a scripture because <laughs> that's what he's going to hit you with, and that's the truth. That's what he's going to bring to to the table. Always is the word of God, and that's what we that's what we have to do too. That's what mature people do." To this, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Christ can work in us. The Holy Spirit can work in us. Many, many times, and, and I'm sure Bill has, has experienced that before too, and, and, and Pastor Roy, get done with the teaching, and they go, wow, that's pretty good. They go, well, a lot of that I heard for the first time myself, you know, because that's what the Holy Spirit was pouring out into me. And that's, what it, and that's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way it's supposed to work. In Colossians 4, 11 through 13, Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always, listen to this, he is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in the will of God. I want someone wrestling in prayer for me. I want someone to know that we're wrestling in prayer for them every morning and at 9 o'clock and at Zoom and whatever. And if, and if someone's on the prayer line, or on the, I want them to know there's a lot of people wrestling in prayer for them, lifting up. We're two or more gathered. We're lifting those people up. They need to hear that and to understand that this is how we do it. that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he's working hard for you. But look at that. That you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and self-assured. That's what I want to do. I want to be fully assured by someone else that's praying for me, holding me up. Hold me up. And James, of course, 1, 3 through 5. And this one I've prayed a lot. It starts out with, you know, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you <laughs> encounter many trials and tribulations. And, I, and, and Kathy gets after me, but I say that 
No more joy, Lord. <laughs> no more trials and tribulations. But you know what happens with the trials and tribulations? With the perseverance? It produces a perseverance so that when you finish that work, you may be mature and complete. You know why? Because there is a, we're reading a book now that, that Kathy's doing with the uh, 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 jewels. Uh, I think with, with Shelley. And it's, it's by T.D. Jakes called Crushing. One of the best books I've ever read. It's, in fact, she's reading it to me. And, and it's, it's called Crushing. I recommend every man read that. Serious. I'm going to see if I can't get it and get, get, get the, the, where it's, where it's uh, published. It talks about the hardships in life and how the crushings that we go through, that's what matures us. And the things that the disappointments and the crushing that we go through when we come out of it on the other side, we have confidence. We have, we've and we've suffered. No, no, no doubt about it. There's pain, but there's there's also a growth. And as long as we keep our eye on the prize, and we can keep praying, and we can say, "Okay, Lord, I don't know why you had me go through that," but one of the things he says in the book, and I thought it was very funny, if you don't, if you're, you know, he is the vine. If you're not part of the vine, you're gonna, he's going to cut you off. If you are part of the vine, he's going to cut part of you off. <laughs> he's going to prune you. And that's just the way it is. But the reason he prunes us back, the reason you prune a tree is so it will produce more fruit. And so when we're going through a pruning or, or, or a setback or something, we can't say this is God's uh, fault. We can't say this is the enemy's fault. What if he's trying to teach us something? And that's what I've learned from this book. You've got to go read it. It's amazing. It's amazing. Not everything that bad that happens to us, of course, is, is, is God doing some things. But he can take what's happened in your life and turn that into such a life lesson that you're going to bring other people to Christ. And we see that happen a lot. We see that happen a lot. So let the perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all. Now I'm going to finish with this one. It's what I always start the men's group with too. But I, and I included chapter, or verse 13 in Second Chronicles 7 here, 13 through 16 because of what we've been going through for the past few months. If I shut up heaven so no rain falls, or if I command locusts to devour the land, which we've seen in Africa, amazing pictures of the locusts just devouring whole, whole countries. Amazing. Or if I send pestilence among my people. If my people who are called by my name, my people are who? Christians, us, shall humble themselves, Pray. Remember I said a minute ago we have to pray, seek, crave, and require of necessity my face. This is the amplified version. Pray, seek, crave, and require of necessity my face. That's pretty that's pretty uh pretty intense. And turn from their wicked ways. Well, I don't have any wicked ways. Well, ask God about that. He'll tell you. Oh, I love what, what Pastor Larry said one time if if the Lord told you to give up coffee and you're coming to him and saying, well, I don't know if I should give up coffee because the Lord just said, give up coffee. 
If the Lord told you to give it up, give it up. There's a reason. You know, whatever, whatever he's telling you to quit doing, do it. And turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. That's pretty clear. That's pretty clear. But listen to what it says. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer offered in this place. That's pretty, that's, that's pretty dynamic. When we say that, Lord, forgive us our sins, heal the land, he's going to hear the prayers coming from this place. Amen. For I have chosen and sanctified, set apart for holy use, this house that my name may be here forever and my eyes and my heart will be here perpetually. That's a pretty good promise. That's a pretty good promise, and that's what I want. So, Father God, we just thank you tonight for your word. Thank you for, for the maturity that we're going to see. Lord, that we're going to see people stepping up to be ministers, teachers, workers like we've never seen before, to handle the people that are going to be coming to this place. We know that there are going to be a, 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 a lot of people seeking a place to come for comfort, Give us the words to say, Father God. Give us the training. Give us, we, give us the uh, atmosphere to bring them to you, Father God. We thank you for the, for the outpouring and the revival that we're going to see going forward. In your name we pray. Amen.